Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing on this beautiful Sunday? Welcome to episode 285 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, and also to part one of the September Patreon Chosen of Valhalla live stream, as this includes people from Patreon and Subscribestar and other places. But it is a part one because... I had I had done a boo-boo and had originally scheduled the official chosen stream for this weekend, forgetting that my wife was going to be out of town and not having talked to her about when she was going to be getting back. And since she will not be getting back until this evening, uh, had to push back the stream for a lot of people till next week. But because I did mention it to some people and some people's schedules worked really well for this weekend, I decided, hey, we'll do a part one today. It'll be a little bit on the shorter side of things. We'll do a full-fledged episode next week as well, and uh, we'll see how long we can go for. Baby Thor is down for his nap. We'll see how long this one goes because today was actually his first ever time going to Mass. So uh, he was very good, well, well behaved, no crying at all, just a couple of noises every now and then, looking around, just being kind of amazed by everything. But it did require me basically holding him the entire time, so I, I'm, I'm pretty beat from that uh, alone. But with all that being said, we'll wait, of course, until he, he wakes up or starts to wake up. And uh, in the meantime, I am joined today by one of the chosen of Valhalla, who has at least one... Uh, amazingly bad film to talk about today. So, Mr. Roy, how are you doing, good sir? Uh, no, pretty good. Good. A little how- tired from work and just work. <laughs> okay, just just typical work stuff. Still working those yeah. long shifts. Yeah, I just got off work in seven twelves. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Did you get a nap a little- in at least? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I got okay. a little bit of nap. A little bit of a power nap in. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. And then you're just going to, what, pass out right after this? Yep. Okay. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) All right. Gotcha. Um, And hello to everyone also joining us in the chat as well. We got uh, Fat Jarbo in the chat. Hello to you, Fat Jarbo. (laughs) 70B, what's going on? General of the Valks. We got Rogue Disney in the chat. We got X the Meatball 420. What is going on? Just another red shirt. Hail to you. Uh, Guillaume Quintal, what's going on? Welcome to you as well. Zelina Star Wars, how is it going? Stephanie B, thank you again for being here. And yes, as Stephanie B says, please make sure that you smash that like button, please. It really does mean a lot. And uh, today, since we're you know doing this a little bit on the fly in, in a certain respect, uh, I'll, of course, be more likely to, to go to the chat every now and then for as long as we're on. But as I mentioned... Uh, Mr. Roy does indeed. Carathar, what's going on? Mr. Roy does have a film that he was able to see recently. So, uh, Mr. Roy, tell us about this film that you saw. I uh, saw a film called Santa Jaws. Mm. And it yeah, sounds, uh, it, sounds it, as a... it, is, it is real. <laughs> it does exist. Okay. It's on Amazon Prime. Wow. Yeah, it's bad. Really bad. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of like 1 to 10. How how bad is this movie? Point one. It's it's really Point bad. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow, like almost not even on the scale is what you're telling me. Yeah, it God, it was unbearable to watch it. Oh, they, I think the only good part of it is the shark with the Santa hat on. 
Yeah, so, there's literally a shark with a Santa hat on that eats people in this movie. <laughs> so literally the only good thing about it is what is in the poster for the film, basically. Yep. That's it. <laughs> it's got bland characters who are not interesting that are really irritating to watch. Oh, no. It's got some of the war CGI I think I've seen in a movie. It it almost makes me think this is not a real movie, but it is it's a real movie. It exists on Amazon Prime. <laughs> wow. So you mentioned before too, before we went live that, you know, you know, obviously similar films in a similar vein would be films like Velocipaster. How, how does this rank against a film like Velocipaster? It's, I would say slightly better. Oh my goodness. Wow. This was filmed on a dock and in, in, in someone's house <laughs> instead of Velocipaster looking like it was filmed in someone's backyard. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds phenomenal. <laughs> So, yeah, so tell us a little bit, I guess, more about the movie and, and why it's not that great. Like, what, what are some of the biggest issues that this film has? Um, everything. Um, it's It's got a character that looks like that dude from Terminator 2, the kid, um, um, I think it's Edward Fur- Furlong, is his name? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gets this magic pen that apparently he draws a comic book and the shark comes to life and... He spends most of the movie trying to save his family from being eaten by the shark, but everyone gets eaten by the shark. And yeah, spoiler, spoiler warning, by the way, everyone dies. Apparently, oh no, no one's gonna watch this. <laughs> I know, it's I, just know. No. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun to do spoiler warnings for movies like this, where it's like, yeah, you know what? I, I probably don't even care. <laughs> yeah, it it's one of the most predictable plots ever. It, I mean, yeah. <laughs> wow. So at least maybe kind of fleshing this out, trying to, I guess, you know, save the movie, if we can even save the film, is it that it's only when he draws a shark that it comes alive, or is it like a pen that no matter what he draws, it'll come to life? Um, That that part rarely comes up. Like, I had to mm. basically look up the plot of the movie to kind of figure this out, because it kind of just, yeah. <laughs> it's so confusing um, that you actually had to, like, Google Wikipedia it. Yeah, because it's so dumb that I had to verify how dumb it was. <laughs> it's like, I, it was so dumb that I was beginning to question reality to the point where I had to look up the plot just to make sure that this is as bad as I thought it was. And that yeah, reality it, is it, not as bad as... <laughs> yeah, because the shark just appears and it starts eating people. And then he draws the conclusion that the pin has something to do with it. But the movie never... Sta- it. The movie doesn't show the shark magically appearing from the book or anything. Just the shark just appears. So <laughs> the, the so, kid... so, it's, so it starts off with the shark appearing, and then yeah. later on, like towards the end, they make reference to this pen. Yeah. What? Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this shark—it's been so terrible. I wonder how it got here. Well, it turns out little Jimmy happened to have this pen. Like it's kind of like one of those kinds of explanations. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And and I guess in that explanation, do they open it up to like it just being this one moment in time that led to it? Or did they also leave it open to him being able to or, or with anyone with this pen being able to bring other things to life? Yeah, they had the comic book store owner that draws like a hot chick and then draws money and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's dumb. <laughs> so at some point, a hot chick just pops into existence then i'm imagining yeah. okay yep oh it's one of the okay it's one of those kinds of movies yeah it's like someone with a very low budget who had a crazy idea and was like hey 
Amazon, like Netflix, they'll just buy anything to, to put on mm-hmm. there. And if, with a name like Santa Jaws, some people will click on it. So I guess it's going to be seemingly good for their bottom line in some respects, I guess. Um, but yeah, and then typically you have those low budget films. It's like, hmm, let me get some like some models that I don't have to pay that much to to you know be featured in my movie. And then I get to hang out with them. So just I think it's hilarious, though, that that's, <laughs> that's yeah. the kind of movie that this is. Yeah, it's it's something else. I don't I don't recommend it. <laughs> oh wow, I I and hear I a ringing endorsement. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, I don't personally think it's funny enough to to give time to watch it. But I mean, you got time to waste. I mean, go ahead. I mean, how long yeah, is this is this brilliant movie? I think it's an hour and a half, but it felt like four hours to me. And it, it took a couple of days to watch this. It was, it was painful. <laughs> That's when you know it's bad too, right? When it takes you two days to get through a ninety minute movie. Like, it's one mm-hmm. thing to say, okay, it's going to take me two, three days, you know, in bits and pieces to watch a, a long, epic movie, which, you know, I, obviously I myself would rather watch all in one sitting, but at least you, it makes sense for someone to say, you know, I need a little, you know, break here and there. But when you have a 90-minute movie where it's like, in general, no, you just watch that all the way through to need two days for it, I think that kind of speaks volumes as to whether yeah. or not this film's good or not. I mean, there, there's gonna be people out there that enjoy it. I don't blame them. I mean, there's dumb movies that I mean, yeah, yeah. It sounds also like one of those movies, like just based on this, you know, you know, short conversation that we've had so far, that you would talk about with people, and it's the talking about it that's hilarious, like that causes joy. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you, thank you for watching this, so that I don't ever have to watch it. <laughs> It's kind of amazing because didn't was it you or was it the, the K man who had brought up this this the film that was on YouTube with the guy who goes back into time and like Odin's in it and all that stuff. Yeah, I remember that movie. That movie's way better. Yeah, um, I forgot the movie was called. Uh, what was that movie called? I was I'm forgetting it too. It's like some type of ninja assassin or something like like it wasn't ninja assassin, but it was something similar. I want to say, Kung yeah. Fury. There it is, Andrew Hoyle yeah, jumping Kung, in there. Yeah, Kung Fury. Yeah, that's a way better movie. <laughs> but it's ama- isn't it amazing that Kung Fury, which is available for free on YouTube, which was also obviously made to be kind of you know silly and campy in that way, is somehow better than a film that again to get your film onto Amazon Prime you would assume that Amazon's paying them at least something to have it featured cuz i'm assuming it's a free film on Amazon Prime yeah it's free i i don't think they even watch these movies before they put them on there i mean <laughs> i think they probably just look at the title and they're like oh santa jaws Th- that's going to be enough to to get a few clicks at least let's Let's green light it. That way we'll get some clicks on it. We'll run an ad before the, the movie, right? We'll run one of our, our shows, like, you know, free promotion for one of our films and, and call it a day. You know that, you know when they have too much money? When they start green lighting films like this, I feel. Yeah, that... Whew. I'm looking at Google images of this movie right now. It's hilarious. Oh, it's... I, I can only ima- <laughs> imagine what it, <laughs> what it looks like. Oh, man. All right, let's go to the chat. 70B says, I'm going to have that blizzard today. Oh, yeah, get that blizzard. We were talking all about ice cream last night, so uh, I'm glad that that the ice cream discussion continues, um, which reminds me, 
Uh, I was able to shout them out at the very end of the live stream yesterday. But uh, again, shout out to I want to say it was Daniel Thorne dropped a few ice creams over on DLive yesterday. And so for you, once again, thank you for the ice cream donations, uh, just in case anyone missed that earlier. So thank you again, Daniel Thorne, for that. Gami Quintal dropped a Canadian super chat right here. Thank you very much. He says, I started watching uh, Chapelweight, good series. If you enjoyed Salem's Lot, you will enjoy it also. I've actually never seen Salem's Lot or Ch- or Chapelweight. I've actually even heard of Chapelweight. Uh, Chapelweight is what it is, I think. Mr. Roy, have you seen either of those, Salem's Lot or Chapelweight? Uh, no, I never even heard of them. Hmm. I've heard of Salem's Lot before, at least. But I, I have not seen, because... Maybe I'm getting it confused, too, because Salem's Lot, I believe, is the one that... It was a movie, too. Wasn't that a Rob Zombie film as well? Uh, As I said, I've never heard these movies. Okay. Well, the two he's talking about here, I believe... Well, at least Chapelweight is a series. I don't know if Salem's Lot is the film he's referring to, or if that's, like, the series version of it, or if there is a series version of it or not. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um... Yame says the movie was Return to Salem's Lot. Ah, okay. Gotcha. So both of these then would be serious. So yeah, I actually have not seen or heard of them. Because I've heard of Salem's Lot, but I've not ever actually seen it. Interesting. Uh, yeah, can- it's a Stephen King adaptation from the 70s. That makes sense. Yeah, I feel like there's some not. movies where they have that title and you're like, it's got to be Stephen King. It's like, yeah. it's gotta be. There's no one else that it can be at this point. And then you get to uh, a film like Santa Jaws, and you're like, there's no way that's Stephen King or, or anyone worth uh, <laughs> worth their salt. <laughs> now, part of me wonders, maybe you know more about this than I do, because I kind of fell behind on this. Do you remember the... Uh, we were supposed to get a Tommy Wiseau film. I think it was last year. Um, and it was like big... Was it like Big Flood? And it was set in New Orleans, and it was about, like, sharks in the water during a flood in New Orleans or something. Do you remember hearing about this? No, I didn't think he was still making movies. I thought he was still riding on. Oh, dude, no. (laughs) He is, I mean, well, I mean, obviously, yeah, he's still riding on the, you know, cult insanity that is the room. Like, he absolutely is still rocking on that. Tina, yeah, thank you. It's called Big Shark, and it's set in New Orleans during a flood. And if there's anything I can say about New Orleans flooding, sharks are not the thing that you talk about during flooding. Maybe alligators. That That is something that can happen when you have a lot of flooding in New Orleans. Sharks, not really as much. But uh, that's right, big shark. And it was supposed to come out, I think, last year. And I have not heard anything about exactly what it's going to look like. But, yeah, no, he is absolutely, as you were saying, he is still writing everything from the room. And even, you know, Greg Sestero as well, not only has a successful book, but then they adapted that book, The Disaster Artist. And then he also made his own movie with Tommy called Best Friends. Have you ever seen Best Friends? Nah, but I heard it's really good. If you like insanity and to have any type of like towards Tommy Wiseau, you kind of have to like insanity, you will love Best Friends. Part one and part two. They, they were so good, they split it into two parts. And during the promotion for it, uh, Greg could not confirm nor deny 
that he was under the influence of some drug when writing the screenplay for the movie. <laughs> Which, if you watch it, it's not a surprise. <laughs> but I highly recommend Best Friends. I think that one might actually be available for free on some platforms. Maybe it was Amazon. Uh, Maybe not. But it's fantastic. Highly recommend it's it. It's kind of hard to find it because there's a Burt Reynolds movie that pops up when you look it up. Yeah, you have to put the R. <laughs> it's Best Friends, <laughs> but the R is in parentheses because it's also Best Fiends. It's like Best Friends, Fiends. Like That's the whole... Uh, the whole concept is that they start off with as friends, but then they they like fall apart, and the ending of one is a cliffhanger, literally. <laughs> That's all I'll say about about it. It's it's Tommy Wiseau at his best, and that's the best Tommy Wiseau that we could possibly ever want in life. I think. And I found it. That's that's a weird title. <laughs> yes, it is. And actually, um. I think I... Yeah, I know I have it. Yeah, let me go. Hold on one second. Let me grab my Blu-ray. The show was yours for that few seconds, by the way. You could have said anything <laughs> during that time, and I would have no idea until... <laughs> I was always tempted to reach over and pause it. <laughs> opportunity lost uh but anyway yeah so i picked this bad boy up on blu-ray slip cover and everything and uh <laughs> oh yeah just look at that front cover too look at tommy wow <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good it's so good but yeah, as y'all can see the r is in parentheses so yeah this is volume one and two look at what he did too look at this artistic cover as well you got uh tommy in like the the nighttime scene almost like the sun going down and then greg is in the the sun coming up i guess like there's these different color options available like it's oh man it's so good if you've never seen it before highly recommend it also i love how this is called the exclusive limited edition on the bottom so not just limited edition it's the exclusive limited edition of the movie (laughs) it's oh it's it's fantastic um yeah from the duo that brought you the room and inspired the disaster artist comes this and uh the way they sell it is their cult classic hit the room inspired the oscar nominated the disaster artist (laughs) know what they did there by the way they were able to get tommy Wiseau and oscar nominated in like the same sentence um but they did it through trickery because they mentioned the disaster artist which was actually a really good film it's a really good adaptation. It is, of course, based off of a book that was, at least in some ways, written by Greg Sestero. I believe he had, like a lot of people typically do, like they have someone who who writes it for them, but it's like their own ideas, it's their own concepts going forward. And kudos to Greg Sestero. He did the audiobook version, and it's hilarious to hear him do a Tommy impersonation. It's just, it's so funny to, to hear that. But it goes on to say, now Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero start in a new comedy thriller the surreal tale of a friendship gone dangerously wrong homeless drifter john played by sestero is rescued by harvey Wizo, an eccentric mortician who steals corpses gold teeth but just as john concocts a scheme to make them both fabulously rich off of the loot he learns horrific facts about harvey's life that threaten to tear them apart 
You're tearing me apart, mortician. If that doesn't sell you, I don't know what, what else will. Again, Tom Wiseau plays a mortician that steals gold teeth from the, from the bodies that he prepares. That's, that's amazing. And someone said it's weird. It makes no sense. Oh, I agree. This is bizarre. Like, again, the, Greg Sestero is very clear that this film likely was written under the influence of something. Um, however, it's amazing. And you won't hear me say that often when things are inspired by that kind of stuff. Uh, let's see. X Meatball 420, by the way. Uh, X Meatball was inspired by your words, Mr. Roy. Because he's like, I'm pulling up uh, Santa, uh, sorry, uh, Santa Jaws on his HD projector. So, <laughs> congratulations to uh, Santa Jaws. You've just gotten more views thanks to <laughs> Mr. Roy. <laughs> he expects his, uh, his royalty check in the mail for the promotion of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, my five bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you give me five dollars. I don't know why that randomly reminded me of, have you ever seen Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and like he brings a woman home and and he thinks the woman wants him as the gigolo but she's actually also a gigolo. And so she's trying to get him to pay him like the hundreds of dollars that he owes and all he wants is $10. So <laughs> they keep going. <laughs> you give me $10. And she wants the 500. Oh, it's so good. Oh. Yeah, the random things that Odin watches. And enjoys. Uh, Tina B, Empress of the Universe, is in the chat. What is going on, Tina? Thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, and also, again, a shout out to everyone that was able to donate to the GoFundMe. Uh, we reached the goal and then some. So thank you, everyone, for your incredible generosity um, and helping out Tina, who is in the process of getting things organized. And I believe she already has another place uh, locked down, and now it's just the process of getting things packed and moved. So again, thank you all uh, to everyone who has has helped during this time. Yeah, awesome. That was a, that was amazing. We were able to reach that within our own community. We didn't have to go to the Friday night tights or anything exactly. like that. Exactly, <laughs> because I was already like I had, you know mentioned it to the guys. You know, I said, "Hey, this is what I'm planning on doing and everything." And we yeah, within two days. Within two days, like less than 48 hours, we were able to raise that goal just from within the Asgardian community. And I think maybe a couple people also who maybe follow us on, on different social media. But like it really, I think, mostly came from the Asgardian community. And so it was truly amazing. And that's why you know, I say this all the time, but I can now, never say it enough about how amazing every single one of you are. Like every person that just even watches, you know, as I always try and make the point, like you don't have to ever be a, a, a supporter financially or anything like just watching the stream and being a part of this community is already like, again, the most precious thing you can give in life is time. And so the fact that not only we're all able to give time, but then also to, to step up and help out others was amazing. So again, uh, thank you all for your amazing, amazing generosity with that. Cause Tina deserves it. Uh, again, she's here all the, every single week. Um, and, she is always talking with people. I always love seeing because I had the live chat on one side and then where I am historically in the chat on the other side. And it's always great to see new people come in. And she's like, hey, your name looks new. Welcome. You know, just small things like that, I think, make a big difference. So did you want to say anything about the amazing Empress of the Universe? 
uh, I miss her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also a little a little behind the scenes uh, in our chosen chat, almost everyone universally was like, I don't want to really go on if, if Tina's not going to be there. And I, I think that it's one of those things that we all just love her so much because of just how amazing she is. We love her movie history knowledge. We love her rants. We love her passion. And so, you know, it, it was like, yeah, people didn't, you know, people were like, hey, we don't have to do the one today. Um, we don't have to do the one today if if uh, if for any reason you can't do it. And I said, well, you know, I, I, I you know, want to do it just in case there is anyone that needs to pop on for a second because they can't be here next week just to give people the opportunity since I had, you know, said that I would. And I do have a little bit of time with with baby Thor napping. Um, but anyway, that's that's the amount of love that um, not only in the Asgardian community, but also amongst the chosen as well, because y'all are awesome. Yeah, I've always had a hard time carrying a conversation with people, <laughs> especially. And I was like, oh, God, I have to come on here. So. <laughs> hey, you're, you're doing a great job, though, because, hey, at me, it's it's, you know, it's already hard sometimes for me. Just, you know, kind of just riffing on my own, like doing everything. It's always nice having someone to be able to, like, bounce off of. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you being here. Mr. Roy. Yeah, appreciate it. You have me on. Of course. See, Andrew Hoyle had mentioned Kung Fury. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, for those anyone who's just joining, it is still free on YouTube, Kung Fury. If you want to know, if you watch Friday Night Tights and you want to know where the body of the old jacked dude that my face is plastered on during the Friday Night Tights intro now, that comes from Kung Fury. So... I'm so happy that he was able to get that in there somewhere. Uh, Joey's movie blog. What is going on? Joey's movie blog says this stream is the perfect way to test out my new man cave setup. Dude, love the man cave. Shout outs there, dude. Man caves are great. Uh, this is in many ways my office slash man cave. And I think you can tell it's a man cave by just how disorganized it is and how messy it is. And I know some people don't like that, but you know what? It gives it, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Personality. It gives it personality. Uh, let's see. Laura putting the waves in the chat. Finally got out of the garage. Gladly. Um, again, Laura, if you if you want to hop on for a little bit, you're more than welcome to as well. Based on what I'm looking at, baby Thor looks like he has passed out. So should be good for a little bit. Um, let us see. Who else is here? Yeah, Laura says, the Mr. Roy standalone stream. I stand alone. Andrew Hoy was a member. Andrew, you can jump in here too, man. He says, the vampire in Salem's Lot terrified me as a kid. Again, I have not seen this. I have no idea. I guess, is this a film that I have to, like, or I guess you, you said that Salem's Lot was the series and then Return to Salem's Lot was the movie is what someone mentioned. So is this something that's available somewhere? Again, for, for those that like it, uh, let me know in the chat. Uh, Tina B. reminding me again, Big Shark was the name of the Tommy Wiseau movie. Yes, and I cannot wait. If it's, if it's anything like Best Friends, I will be happy. If it's anything like Best Friends, I'll be happy. Awesome one saying Odin is talking to Odin. In certain way, in a certain way I am, but Mr. Roy is there too. You can, you can tell by the... Uh, Smaller up here, but it's like the little 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 horse face right there. <laughs> we figured out that was from American Dad, right? 
Uh, or family, family Guy. guy. Okay. Yeah. See, I was going to say Family Guy, and then I want to say the last time I said it, we found out it was from American Dad. But anyway, so, okay. Yeah, it, it, it's just a... Um, yeah, it's, it's a really ridiculous character that just comes out of nowhere on Family Guy. And I was like, yeah, this is just my reflection of what the internet is. It's just... <laughs> Just just complete randomness. Yep. <laughs> no rhyme or reason. Uh, let's see. Peter Rossi says the Ninth Ward. Okay, so that's where Big Shark is set. So it's set in the Ninth Ward during a flood. <laughs> we can also say that Tommy Wiseau is absolutely a, a tasteful person by having the film set where an actual catastrophic flood happened and having the film's plot have a flood happen and then adding sharks. Yep. Mm, yes. <laughs> uh, Rogue Disney. What's going on, man? Uh, let's see. Physics Channel with Kenny Lee. What's going on, dude? He says, what's going on? Not much, man. What's going on with you? That's the real question. Laura says, yes, Burt Reynolds rocks. Did you watch Smokey and the Bandit yet? I have not watched Smokey and the Bandit yet. It is on my to-do list. I have been watching stuff, though. I, uh, I, as I mentioned yesterday, I was able to finally finish Fast and Furious 9. So I guess I could talk about that a little bit today because I haven't done an official review yet. Um, but, oh man. So Fast and Furious 9, I will say it's better than 7 and 8 from what I can remember. But it's it's still just... they. I mean, they go to space. They actually what? go to space. Yes, uh. it happened. The jokes, right? Like, because that was the meme for a long time. Was like, you know, Fast and Furious twelve in space. So they actually get to go to space. Um, I will say the way that they played it out, though, it definitely kind of makes you question <laughs> the reason and logic behind it and the science behind it. At least it's better than what it could have been. Essentially, they are on. They have this contraption built where it's a. It's like an old Pontiac, I think. That's been retrofitted with rocket boosters. And they have to get it. It's, it's on top of a plane that is getting it to a certain altitude. And then it takes off from that altitude to get into space. So I'm like, okay, at least there's that. And it's not just coming directly off the ground. or like a, It's not like a flying car going up you know, directly from the ground into space. So at least there's that. But they're still going into space. And then also, they're wearing, instead of like any type of astronaut suits, they're wearing... Um, in, instead, like uh, deep sea diving suits, and the uh, lo- the logic is, oh, it does the same thing. It does the same thing. It's just that <laughs> it, it might you might get bloated, <laughs> like you might get bloated a little bit, right? You might expand a little bit. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, that, that, that don't make any sense. No, no, it doesn't. And even then, I was still like, even then, I was like, okay, well, you know what. Maybe the pressure, is, you know, the pressures, you know, can be similar in a certain way, even though it's the complete opposite. Because if you're going into the ocean, it's you're, you're getting, you know, a lot of pressure on you, whereas in space, there's really no pressure necessarily. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hey, who cares really about science? It's a uh, it's a Fast and Furious film. Just consume it. Don't ask questions. Just consume is basically where we are now with that. But yeah, and then they are able to actually get into space. And then the comment of, man, two brothers from the hood. No one's ever going to believe this. <laughs> Had to put that in there. And, uh, <laughs> yep. 
And then at some point, they also make contact with the International Space Station uh, to to get saved because they use the last fuel they have to basically destroy the satellite. And that's the other issue, too, is that they destroy a satellite in space in orbit. And if I learned anything from the film Gravity, that's a big no-no because now you have bits and pieces of a broken satellite in orbit as well. <laughs> that uh, It depends because... They're, you, you got the International Space Station, the whole, all these things that are in outer space are at different altitudes. Yeah. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. if you break up a satellite, it may not necessarily be at the same altitude as the International Space Station. True. So, so like when the movie Gravity, where they're working on the Hubble Space Telescope, that is at a higher orbit than the International Space Station. So if mm. the space station broke up, it wouldn't hit the Hubble Space Telescope. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. So the movie Gravity is actually full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to learn that now because, you know, beforehand, and because I, and I never thought of it as like a, obviously, you know, this is completely 100%, you know, fact-based, but like, I think because obviously it's a dramatic storytelling. So I think the, because I don't know, I guess, yeah, do they establish in Gravity, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but do they establish in Gravity that the space junk gets um destroys the international space station as well yeah it destroys two different space stations i okay. believe yeah okay um, yeah I, I have a hard time remembering the movie but i remember at that point it's like yeah the hubble space telescope is actually much higher in orbit than most other satellites because yeah because you have to get it up to a pretty high orbit for it to get good pictures <laughs> yeah yeah they had the really pushed a space shuttle back then to get it up that high. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I can only imagine, especially with, you know, the time that that satellite, you know, that the telescope was put up there first. Um, and it kind of makes you wonder, too, like, that is a way, I mean, yeah, who, I guess, is, this might be a silly question, is the Hubble telescope owned by America? Yeah, it's a mostly American op. Uh, yeah, the funny okay. part was that they put it up there. It was broke, and they had to go back up there and fix it. <laughs> That's right. Because I, I remember, I remember that part of it of of it being broken and had to be fixed. Because wasn't like one of the mirrors shattered or something? No, nah, it was off by one fiftieth of a human hair. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, it, it was insane. <laughs> yeah, and they kind of knew about it. Like they they built it to that spec, and it was ended up being the wrong spec. And they had oh to go goodness. back up there and change a couple of reflectors to get it correct, but I mean, okay. they fixed it, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like there was a, another film that kind of dealt with that. Like, it, it wasn't a telling of the story of the Hubble uh, Space Telescope, but it was another one where, like, they were off by a certain degree, or it was mentioned, like, if we're off by this amount, then, you know, like, I guess it, might, I guess it has to come up in almost all space movies at some point. Um, yeah, because... Yeah, speaking of it, I actually watched Apollo 13 recently. It holds up quite well. <laughs> okay. So so that one is, is more true to space and it, to the story as well. Yeah, it's still a dramatization of the story, but when it comes to that, it's probably one of the best out there. When okay. I can say, if you want to watch something based on a true story, it's yeah. very close. I mean, the, the event took a took over about seven days mm-hmm. so trying to cram that down into two hours is kind of challenging i think ron howard did a fantastic job of doing that okay i always forget uh, that was a ron howard film like uh, yeah 
I will say it's one of his best. Because <laughs> wasn't it one of his earlier films, too? Yeah, he, it was in 1995, I believe, mm-hmm. he came out. And I don't remember when he started making films. Uh, yeah, because he only, he made Backdraft, which is, I think it's another decent movie to watch. I actually did, I, I did not know that. I've I've seen Backdraft pop up a few times on, I think it's Amazon, it's one of the streaming services that keeps pop. maybe it's, no, it's uh, HBO Max, keeps popping up. Um, yeah. So I actually had never known that that was his. But that's funny because you always hear people rat on um, um, Ron Howard for making bad movies. He's made Backdraft, Apollo Thirteen, Rant, Ransom with mm-hmm. Mel Gibson. He um, Beautiful Mind. <laughs> he did also. I did not know he directed. He did How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah. Did not know he directed it. He has Cinderella Man as well. Yeah. Uh, Frost Nixon was pretty good. Um, the movie Rush was pretty good too. I like that one. Yeah, but his first He's, one he, was Grand Theft Auto in 1977. He wrote and directed it, mm-hmm. and it looks like he starred in it too. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, if you were shocked um, when you look you look up his films, he's actually done some decent films. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he did Splash in '84. Okay. <laughs> what dang dude I, I did not know he had been doing films that long I remember because yeah Willow he did as well in 88 that's interesting so yeah, the first I guess big film he did I don't know if Night Shift is, is known as a big film or not but it looks like Splash might be like the bigger of the films like the first big film he did interesting yeah. mm-hmm. very interesting uh, Tina's making fun of the fact that I have legs. Yes, yes, indeed, I do. Uh, <laughs> physics channel, yes. Um, I've had it to finish unpacking for a long time. I have a chair that I no longer need that I need to get rid of. And there are some random boxes as well in the cabinet behind me, or rather in the closet behind me. Yeah, my wife was in a like a, a, a design mood the other day. She was helping a friend of hers who just got like a brand new house, like nothing in it, like try and figure out exactly where things are going to go. And so once she's in that zone, she like can't turn it off for a bit. So she comes into my room and she's like, hmm, what can we do here? And I'm like, I appreciate it. But I just, it was like one of those days where I'm like, but I just can't right now. <laughs> Cause like, she was like, Hey, maybe if we, you know, uh, get rid of the closet space or like open it up a little bit. You can put like the setup in here or like your television in here or something. Uh, Cause she, eventually down the road, uh, the, the room outside, like the, cause we're on, we have two floors and it used to be an Airbnb cause it's essentially two apartments. Uh, it's, you know, two rooms on each floor essentially. And so the main room down here is what I use as like the place where I watch movies and stuff. But eventually, it's going to be a play area where we can store all you know toys and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so she was trying to figure out like what we could do to try and get some of the stuff, like the television, for instance, in here. Because I'm sure we could do it because there's a lot more space in here than it might seem. I'm just terrible with space management. I've never been good when it comes to organizing <laughs> stuff. Uh, neither do you look the room I'm in right now. It's, it's a giant mess. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also historically a guy thing, too. Just, you know, we know where things are, and that's what's important. 
Uh, it's on well, the staff. For, you know, I worked for ten years at a company where you know the main thing was having to organize equipment and tools and stuff. And then you come home, my room, you know, my house is a giant mess. And you're like, what? <laughs> it's like, you do this for a living. Why? Why is your house a mess? <laughs> I guess it kind of because it's like other jobs too. Like if you cook for a living and you're doing certain things, and then people that expect you to be like some like unless you're like a you know and a chef or something like that, but let's say you're working in the kitchen at a restaurant or something and you're in charge of one specific thing. And so then they just expect that, you know, exactly what to do. And, uh, it's like, sometimes they're like, Nope, I, I eat ramen and all this other stuff instead, you know, and usually it's more so because of pricing and stuff, but it's interesting how that works out sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my point of view is, um, I don't get paid to organize my house and no one comes by ah, to see my house. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, I could I consider my home my sanctuary. I don't, you know, I'll go out and visit friends and stuff all the time, but I don't generally invite people over my house. I, <laughs> I, I go to my house to get away. <laughs> yes. For, and, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that's that's why you know my wife will go into cleaning mode whenever people are about to come over, and normally it's like family. So my mind immediately goes, they're 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 not going to care. They they just they're they're here to see baby Thor. They're here to see us. Like that that's their main focus. So if something is slightly not looking the best that it can be, everything's going to be okay. But it's just like nope, don't even go there. Don't even you know try to start like having that conversation going. Um, and uh, so that's why usually my room is just left off limits. It's like nope, let's just leave it leave it where it is in here. Close the door. And then that way they don't have to look at it, I guess. <laughs> All right, let us see. We got um, ooh, Rodrigo. What's going on, dude? Deus Volt. God wills it. And then he has a prayer. Gloria Patri et Filio Spiritus Sancto, Sicut Ero Principio et Nunc et Semper, in Secula Seculorum. Amen. Amen to you, brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the glory be in Latin. Let's see. The Physics Channel Kenny Lee tagged and said, have you considered reviewing old TV like Eureka, Dark Matter, and even Get Smart? I actually have never really gone in that direction before in my mind because there's already so many newer films that I need to watch. There's also already so many older classics that I need to watch, like films that I've been sent by subscribers. I'm literally looking at um, films I need to watch like Excalibur. So I still need still need to watch that. Automata has been sent to me to, to watch. Being There has been sent to me. Uh, I still need to watch the first Conan the Barbarian film, and then maybe the second, but people said you can kind of skip that. Um, but there's like a lot of stuff that I already like need to slash want to watch. So yeah, old TV has not really ever been on my radar as far as stuff doing reviews for. Um, but I, I do plan on doing a review because I, I did watch uh, Fast 9, which I talked about earlier a little bit. And then also did watch Cry Macho. Have you seen Cry Macho yet, Mr. Roy? No, nah, I've heard mixed things about it. Though. Clint Eastwood's kind of been hit and miss lately on his yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah, and we talked about this last night. The, the last good one he did was back in 2019 when he did um, Richard Jewell, which was a really good film. Did you ever get to see yeah, that? I, yeah, I saw it in theaters. I, I highly recommend it. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, it just is very good. It builds the tension really well. Um, I, I thought having, I forget the actor's name, but I thought he was perfect in that role. Yeah. It's good characters. I mean, good acting. I mean, yes. Yeah. And then yeah. even, uh, 
you had uh, Kathy Bates in that one too. Um, and, and she did a great job as the guy's mom in the film. Mm-hmm. So it was fantastic. Unfortunately with this one, uh, cry macho, it just, you know, as I said last night, it just suffers from really bad writing and some questionable, uh, choice in the acting department because the, 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 the main story is between Clint Eastwood and this kid who he's trying to bring back to the United States um, because he's trying to basically make up for a favor that was done to him or done for him by the guy asking him to get his son. And in that process, right, they have and grow and share a bond with each other, of course, and they meet a bunch of people along the way. But the kid that they had playing the, the one that he was going to get just was very green and the age of the kid was young enough I feel or old enough rather I feel where they probably could have gotten some better actors to to portray that role Um, or if they were gonna go that route and have someone more green they could have gone with someone maybe younger and had that role reduced a little bit I don't know it just didn't it just didn't sit well didn't feel right uh, it, it's it's always disappointing when you get a miscasting like that and mm-hmm. it kills a film like that. <sighs> yes, absolutely. And, you know, because Clint does a, a fine job. I do find it's funny, though, because in both this and The Mule, so two of his more recent movies, he puts himself with, uh, with women on screen, like much younger women on screen. <laughs> so in in The Mule, it was like they were... I think they were supposed to be like prostitute level because he's working with the drug lord and there's like a scene where like they're like like hanging out with him. Like they don't do much graphic stuff with with it in that film, but it's like still he's getting to hang around these these younger women in that way. In this movie, his love interest is a, a widower and she is clearly like got to be in her maybe 50s, 40s or 50s, which if you remember that Clint Eastwood is in his 90s, is is oh. is still problematic or or at least it, it's still like no no don't think just because she's older and a widower that somehow some way this doesn't look odd to see 90 year old Clint Eastwood dancing oh at one point they're dancing with each other and you could just see just how far apart in age they are because Clint's doing I mean for 90 he's moving pretty well but yeah. he's not moving 50 or 60 years old well <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I was not saying 50s is old, Elizabeth Lyons. I was, that's not what I was trying to say. I was more saying, you know how in, a lot of times they have, or more so in comparison to the mule, in the mule, he was with women who were like in their 20s. Like, like, like babies, essentially, in the grand scheme of things, in comparison to him. Whereas in when you are in your 50s now, right, that's not old, by any means, but it's older than what he normally would have. But even then, it's still really odd because, just as you said, it's not very old. Yeah, but, Clint but Eastwood's got yeah, Clint Eastwood's got kids in his fifties already. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's weird. <laughs> yes, it is, and it just when they're dancing, especially you just you don't buy it. You don't you don't really buy that that is a <laughs> a logical relationship. Uh, see, Soul Extraction, what's going on, dude? Welcome back. He is a member on the channel. Hail to you, good sir. Um, all right, let's see. 
Someone had mentioned Kung Fu Hustle. I actually had never seen that either. I mean, heard of it. That's kind of yeah, heard of it, never seen it. Laura says, we apologize because they're probably late. That FNT theme is hilarious. Oh, I agree. It's great to listen to in the car and just have it on blast. It's so much fun. Radicalized and highly organized. So good. Uh, Kara Tharp, who's a member, says, I just rented Train to Busan on Amazon Prime. Kara, I hope you enjoy it. It is fantastic. I love that movie so much because it's not just a really good zombie film. It's just a good film where they happen to be zombies in it is how I have always worded it. Have you seen Train to Busan? Not yet. It's on my watch list. Okay. Yeah, because I know I had done some giveaways of the Steelbook version of that uh, a while back, and I I didn't know if anyone was able to actually get in and watch it and what they thought about it but yeah i i thought it's fantastic well worth the watch um and i want to say it's on sale on blu-ray and everything so if you're someone that you like to rent stuff check out the blu-ray prices before because you can get a blu-ray typically nowadays for about the same as you would for rental and after the fact you get to keep it so it's like yeah. you're paying just a little bit more maybe and you get to keep it and then you can give it to somebody else where those rentals you get on amazon prime they, they, they get very cheap but you know, they expire after 48 hours. And anyway. I saw start to notice is that um, I see these rentals, digital rentals sometimes for like six bucks. So I was like, eh, let's see how much the blue ray is. And I know. <laughs> yeah. For newer releases, especially it's like eh, for renting it for 48 hours, $6. Nah, I can understand maybe the dollar or two. Cause then it's, you know, convenient. You're not paying all that much for it. And the uh, blue ray is always going to be a little bit more expensive, but yeah, it's worth checking out. I think. Let's see. Rodrigo says, Kung Fury is great. Iron Sky is just as good and came out around the same time. But isn't Iron Sky, like, wasn't that an actual, like, legit film? Like, wasn't that a a movie that came out in theaters? I I hate to ultimately admit, I'm kind of like you when it comes to movies. There's certain years of movies I hadn't seen at all. Yeah. I'm actually not that much older than you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Iron Sky, it's 2012, so it's it's not the one that I was thinking of. No, 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 it is. It is. Okay. Let's say that image looks familiar. It says, the Nazis set up a secret base on the dark side of the moon in 1945, where they hide out and plan to return to power in 2018. Okay, yeah, that's... Okay, that, that sounds amazing. That that sounds fantastic. Yeah, that's a... Let's see, Kung Fu... Hustle is on Pluto TV, and so is Iron Sky. So Pluto wow. TV, it's a man. Pluto TV has been like on the ball recently. I feel well, they're always on the ball because <laughs> it's free. So <laughs> yeah, they could have anything. They 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 could have uh, Santa Jaws for all we know. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that's not on YouTube. It's just a free movie. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sure if it's not already eventually at some point it's just good someone's just gonna rip it and be like all right let's just <laughs> let's just put it up there i don't know if you want to rip this movie off it's, it's that bad <laughs> oh that's what i was saying people are like yeah instead of having to pay for amazon prime like just to get access to it like just to have prime to get access to it in the first place hey let's just put it up on youtube and charge nothing not have it monetized or anything <laughs> yeah the movies like that tend to have those directors where it's like they're they want someone to do something because then they can sue and then that's where they can get the big bucks. Yeah. 
Let's see. Uh, Joey's movie blog. Unorganized is the way to describe man caves. This is true. I think that it's always very important for us to focus on that. Tina says, just do not watch the updated version of Salem's Lot with the turd and fake flash. It got slammed and bombed on CBS All Access. Maybe that's the one I had, I had heard of then was the reboot they were doing. But I hadn't seen that. I'm not oh, shocked. I yeah. mean, they, they've already got ideas, so they're just going to reboot everything. Oh, yeah. And also, I mean, CBS All Access, I don't know if that's doing very well for subscribers, but I feel like it's one of those B-tier subscriber services that's eventually going to just get, like, um, absorbed by one of the other giant companies. It probably already is. They, You see this all the time where they'll put their stuff on, like, the main streaming platforms like Netflix, but mm-hmm. they're like, oh, by the way, we have our own dedicated streaming service if you want to come over here and watch crap. Yep. <laughs> If you just want to watch crap and not have other options available, check out CBS yeah. All Access. Man, Laura says, the 49ers play Green Bay next week, so I might be at the game. Packers fans are hecka fun. Oh, fun, Laura. Well, I hope you get to go to the game because I know those can be exciting. And also, to actually go to a stadium, hey, I mean, freedom. That's all I got to say about that. And if that's, if that's, your, if that's your bag, go ahead. It's not mine. I, I don't, even before the pandemic, I've, I've never really been one for crowds. But if that's something that you enjoy, embrace the freedom. It's always weird can. hearing about people that are still on lockdowns, mm-hmm. being, living in here in Texas. You, yeah. You, we've been, <laughs> I think Absolutely. our lockdown only lasted a few months and we were back to work. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the, Tennessee, we, we had similar uh, things too, where for a few months there, there was a, a level of lockdown. But that was really in the very beginning when there was so much that we didn't know. So I, I feel like you look back at that and you say, all right, it, it, you know, it's still, you know, lockdown, still ineffective, right? All that still is true. But you can at least kind of understand the logic of the people. Like, because most people in general were very, all right, yeah, let's, let's, let's go ahead and, and, and do this. We'll, we'll put up with it for a little while because we don't really know what's going on. And, you know, we'll, we'll do it because it, 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 you know, we believed and bought into the, okay, it's for the common good, trying to, you know, save lives. But yeah, after a few months, when more information started coming out, that's when you had other states like Texas and Florida start to say, oh, so the data is not as bad as we thought, or we were told lies, or things have been, you know, the story has changed. And so it's now, oh, we don't have to be locked down. And yeah, I agree. The fact that Canada... And the UK especially were locked down for like lo- what they had like four, like three or four lockdowns. It's just insane. Really? Yeah. 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 I think it was around August where I think most of Texas kind of just opened back up. I, yeah. I went back in the work in October that, yeah, that's like these lockdowns just don't work. <laughs> nope. It's crazy. And also, I mean, when you, you keep hearing about all of, you know, you know, mass mandates and everything like that. But if you actually even go to the WHO's website or even the CDC's website and you actually dive into their mass mandates, you start to realize just how completely um, worthless the mandates are because the mandates are only going to be effective if you have, one, the right type of mask, two, you're wearing that mask correctly, three, you are washing your hands and or using hand sanitizer every time, every time you touch the mask or your face. 
mm-hmm. and like there's all these conditions. So it's like, okay, n- this none of this is very realistic for schools or for you know entire communities. So literally, there is no actual benefit when you break yeah, it down. My my dude job's hilarious because they're they they make us wear masks, mm-hmm. but the actual building where we have our like our um, break room and all that stuff, the whole building doesn't have hot water to wash your hands. <laughs> do they? Do they at least give you sanitizer to use? Or yeah, they they get sanitizer and stuff. But uh, you see the signs everywhere say, "Hey, wash your hands." And I, I pointed out to the supervisor one day. He's like, "Yeah, I don't have hot water in the building. <laughs> What's the point of washing my hands? It's still water <laughs> and soap. It'll it'll still be just as effective." Uh, I just, yeah. I mean, it's like when uh, Apple started pushing out updates to like the, the watches, and they they put a uh, a mode on there where it would sense when you were washing your hands and do a countdown for you. And I was like, every time it started counting down, I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I was like, "Really? This this length of time? Every time? Like when you think about how often you touch your face, or especially when you have a child, like." How often you need to wash your hands or when you're, you know, doing dishes or anything. You have animals, like, cleaning up after. Like, I I was getting to the point where, because I would never go all the way to the end of that countdown. But I was getting to the point where even with just the amount of times I was washing my hands at a smaller amount of time, smaller length of time, my hands were getting destroyed. They were so dried out. And I've always used lotion. So, like, that's just how bad it was. It's like, yeah, this this is not realistic or sustainable. For a long term, yeah. Time. If you go to a public restaurant, it's got them um, RF freaking sensor, you know, faucets and stuff. How in the heck are you gonna wash your hands for that long? With the faucet doesn't stay on for that long. <laughs> yeah, it barely ever. Like you have to always get the right angle just to get it started, and then when it gets started, yeah, it only goes for like two seconds, and then <laughs> it shuts off. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Uh, let's see. Uh, Planet Planet Musk vlog. What is going on? Raycor 8, I've seen you earlier, but if I did not officially shout you out, hello. Alex McCarthy gave Fast 9 a an 8 out of 10? You gave it an 8 out of 10? I wouldn't go that high, man. I mean, it's better than 7 and 8, but that's not saying much. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't think I got past the second film or the third one. I don't remember which ones I've watched. I, so, I didn't really like the first film, to be honest with you. Yeah, the, the first, it's interesting because... The best ones are are actually like in weird spots, because the really? ar- arguably the best film is Fast Five. Like arguably, huh. it's it's Fast Five, and then I think Fast and Furious. <laughs> the naming scheme is also great. So the fourth film is just Fast and Furious. So you have the Fast and the Furious, which is the first film. Then you have Too Fast, Too Furious. So the first one's like okay, you know, it's fine for what it is. It's it, it's decent. Too Fast, Too Furious is is just really bad. It's it's what most people for a long time considered to be their least favorite of the franchise. But I thought it was stupid enough to enjoy, and it does introduce characters for the first time that are relevant in the in the later movies. Then you have Tokyo Drift, which is actually one of my favorites, though it's definitely one where you either love it or you hate it because it is definitely weird. But I love that it's set in Japan. There's a character uh, called Han who is introduced as well, and he's so awesome. So awesome, in fact, that when they kill him in the movie, they decide to have the next film and the next series of films to bring him back 
take place at a different time. <laughs> yep. I always enjoy that. It, <laughs> let's bring back this character. Oh, he's dead. Um, yep. Let's put the film in the past. And then... Exactly. So <laughs> you had several films after Tokyo Drift where they had to catch up to what was established in that movie. And so oh. they eventually did by, I think, Fast 6 or Fast 7. They finally caught up with that movie. And now, after seeing Fast 9, spoiler warning for anyone that cares about any of the Fast and Furious franchise, it's on the poster, so I don't know how much of a spoiler it really is, but then Han comes back again. So, you, so again, Han dies. He comes back because they decide to set the rest of the films in the past before Tokyo Drift. And now they've just brought him back again. So the entire logic of shifting everything has now become completely worthless. You know, beforehand, it, it made sense because you were trying to keep the character around a little longer and everything. Oh, it's gotten so convoluted. It's, it's fantastic. So, um, oh, man, I, I just saw this live comment from Soul Assassin. You can't spoil when you have family. I agree. I agree. Because we're family. It's all about family. <laughs> I will say there were a couple of moments in Fast 9 where they could have said that line and they didn't. And I was very upset. Aww. Yeah. Like there was a moment where I was like, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to say it. They're going to say the word. And then they didn't. I was like, ah, missed opportunity. Family does come up, though. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got to. Every every movie, it's got to. <laughs> uh, let's see. Andrew Hoyle says, Fast and, clearly the Fast and Furious franchise need to cross over with Sharknado as they both seem to be on the same level of ridiculousness. Uh, to an extent, I think Sharknado has always been from the beginning ridiculous and i would even say nothing that fast and furious has ever done even going to space is as ridiculous as sharknado again there's not much you can do to top a tornado of sharks again there's not much you can do to 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 surpass a tornado of sharks kind of stands on its own level in a lot of ways it don't make a whole lot of sense, but yeah, it's shark with tornadoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great trailer or a promo for the Sharknado films that has been on uh, sci-fi because my wife and I have been watching this show Face Off, um, which is a lot of fun to watch. But as we're watching it, we would get this promo because last month or this past month, they were showing all the Sharknado films like on repeat or something. Um and so it, sa- it showed the same clip every single week or every single time. And it would always be the one where the guys asked, what is the ins- you know, like, what is it like to be inside of a shark? Or what does the inside of a shark look like? And he's just like, always, you have no idea, pal. Like, just, he's, he's like so serious and like, you just have no idea what it's like to go through a shark with a <laughs> chainsaw. <laughs> so silly. Oh, <sighs> crazy, crazy. Uh, Rare Sci-Fi says, so they ripped off Top Gear where they tried to convert a Reliant Robin into a space shuttle. I guess they did. I never watched Top Gear, so um, I guess they did to a certain extent. It's also great because the, the, the machine they use earlier in the film explodes. So it's a test run, and it's the, they do one test run where it actually doesn't explode. And then it explodes. And then the very next set, the very next edition of the rocket car they make, it works perfectly fine. Oh, well, Why are they going into space again? 
So essentially, the the premise of the film is that um, the brother of Don, like the brother of Dom, who's played by John Cena. By the way, John Cena is just <laughs> as bad in this as he is in anything else he does. Though I will say this fits him better than the other films he's done because he's basically trying to be what Vin Diesel's brother would probably be like. And it is exactly what you think it would be. Very bland and boring. Wait, he's, and... he's playing Vin Diesel's brother? Yep. Yes, indeed. Because uh, okay. the, the family. Uh, <laughs> and even the kids they get to play the younger, not the kids, I guess, but even the younger, they do younger versions of Vin Diesel and John Cena. And it's hilarious because they have that same difference where you can tell that Vin Diesel, at least the younger version of Vin Diesel, is very clearly like mixed race. And then young John Cena is clearly a white kid. So it's just like, so they they obviously recognize that they don't really come across as being like full-on brothers. Mm -hmm. But they don't ever also establish, I don't remember their mentioning at all that they were half-brothers. So... (laughs) I mean, cool. no matter what kind of brothers they are, I mean, they're family because that, that's all that matters. You know, it doesn't matter if you're blood <laughs> or not. You're family, no matter what. Um, but anyway, so the basic premise is that uh, his brother is trying to steal this device, which will be able to take over basically all systems like as a virus. It'll be able to infect all technology and then it'll give full control of that technology to the person using this. So for instance, they'll be able to control all the nukes, all of the satellites, like everything. But then they even go further to say, Oh, it also would allow you to control things like, um, you know, uh, kind of like a microwave because there's a signal to it. And so you could control the microwave, which no one would ever think of as a weapon, but you could control the microwave to do something it's not supposed to do and essentially turn it into a weapon. So it's like, oh, so they could just make this explode? Yeah, because that's how technology works. You can just hack it somehow. And, oh, yeah, it's... So they're in space because... They're trying to get to this one satellite that they've launched. They have a they have a, a satellite that's been launched that they're trying to get the signal uploaded to, so that it can then start to infect all things, all other satellites, and then by extension, all telecommunications, etc. And so, the first thing they're trying to do is destroy this moving giant truck that is sending the signal up um, to the satellite. So they're trying to stop that, trying to stop the signal from being sent. Cause it obviously, you know, it takes a long time because you know, space and earth, right? There's, there's a distance there. So it takes a long time for that virus to get uploaded essentially. Um, and so as a counteract, they also at the same time are trying to find a way to destroy the satellite. And so that's where the two characters who get put into space come into play because they're up there in their like Pontiac or whatever that has rocket thrusters on it to try and destroy the satellite. Um, and the original idea is that there were, they were going to try and um, like tamper with the satellite a little bit. So just like not destroy it completely, but just, you know, tweak it a little bit, but then they're out of fuel or something. Like there was something that, that got, you know, that, that there was like a mistake somewhere. And so then they decide, okay, all the only option we have then is to use the last of our fuel to put ourselves directly through the satellite, creating oh. space debris. Um, and so then they do, and then eventually they are uh, 
they run into because they're in orbit and eventually they run into the International Space Station and <laughs> that's how they get saved. Oh, oh it's great. It's so good. Uh, you're telling this summary to someone that's only seen the first two movies. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yet it's not the worst. It somehow is not the worst. Because I can't even remember the whole story for seven and eight, but I just remember, gosh, these are terrible. I just couldn't stand it. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's see. Uh, favorite sci-fi. What's going on, good sir? He says, I'm still frowned up. Just ask the Chinese how their anti-satellite weapon test went over a few years back. Oh, I, I forget. Do you remember hearing about that? Mm-mm. Hmm. Nah. Yeah. 70B had to head out a, a bit ago. So 70B, hope your Sunday goes well. Blessed Sunday to you. Uh, this was about earlier about the International Space Station, about Hubble specifically. So Hubble was a joint NASA and European Space Agency program. Interesting. I got it. Joey's movie blog says, did you hear that they canceled the Gravity 4K because the director wasn't impressed with the HDR grading? Yes, I did. Um, if you don't follow, if you like any type of physical media... A great channel is Films at Home. It's an excellent channel. The dude has been killing it recently. All of his videos have just been doing so well. Like, he's getting so many views. And I'm loving that he's getting so much support. Um, And it's led to him being sent movies by all these different studios and getting to work with different companies for projectors and stuff. It's been awesome to see. Um, Mm -hmm. But one of the things that he does is he reports on upcoming blu-ray and 4k releases and i remember he was the one that i first found out that they had canceled the gravity 4k because of the director not liking where it was going yeah usually the hdr is a big one Mm -hmm. where the director will either approve it or disapprove it because it's kind of an artistic kind of standard when they do the hdr Mm mm-hmm uh, you can either get it right or you can get it completely wrong. And yeah, yeah. in the case of gravity, they got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, also because there are some films that when you create a 4K version of it, it looks great on all accounts and the HDR is kind of like that icing on the cake. But there's other films like Gravity, which were made more recently, which are digitally filmed and they have a lot of CGI, a lot of visual effects, which in general are only rendered at 2K resolution originally. So when you create these 4Ks of these types of films, they're really fake 4Ks. They're basically upscaled 2K films. And so the mm-hmm. only thing you can then add to to make it quote-unquote better is HDR. That's the only mm-hmm. way to really improve it in any capacity because that's all, as far as the data that you have available, that's all that you can really do is, 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 is work with the color grading with the HDR. So it makes sense to me that they would cancel it if the color grading isn't working because that is literally the only thing that it's going to add other than new special features, which is the only other thing they could put onto the disc. Yeah. I also remember it's one of the few movies I watched where the gravity scenes almost look real. <laughs> yes. Visual effects were f- so good for that movie and the Blu-ray still looks great too. So it's not like they're really hurting for a new release of that movie. Cause I think the Blu-ray does a great job of, of capturing it. But yeah, I got to see that film in IMAX and it was gorgeous. It's so good. Yeah, I understand you can't do what they did at Apollo 13, which is they mm-hmm. basically built the sets in an airplane. And then yes. when they needed to film the gravity scenes, they just died the plane down. <laughs> the actors just floating the sets. Yeah. 
it's like it would be great if we could do that and if tom cruise was in it you know they'd probably be able to get away with that but yeah yeah in general not not something that most people can do uh physics channel kenny lee we got real mad at china for blowing up satellite nasa has to track all the pieces when i watch films that do really bad science it takes me out of the movies hubble needed contacts okay gotcha 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 um yeah, but it's still interesting, though, because the general premise of gravity, because it is a fictional story, but the general premise is kind of terrifying that there is then debris at certain altitudes in space that if you were there at the wrong time, you would get torn apart. That's that's so crazy. Like, that's terrifying. Yeah, I, 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 they slowed it down in gravity, but the speeds that those debris is flying at, you wouldn't see it coming. <laughs> yeah. Like, you would not have the ability to even think or plan ahead. (laughs) I just remember when that scene was happening, though, because that was the first year, I want to say, Emmanuel Lubetsky, who did the cinematography for the film, I think that was the first Oscar he won, because then he he did, I think, Birdman the year after, won the Oscar for cinematography, and then the year after, I think he did Revenant and got it again. Um, Just crazy that he got an Oscar three years in a row for the same thing, just one of those like weird little factoids, but he's a brilliant guy. And what he was able to do with that scene, especially when all the debris is coming was phenomenal. And the music too, like when that's happening and like you have uh, Sandra Bullock's character, like getting spun around. I remember being in the theater being like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm on the edge of my seat. Like I am just, I am concerned for what's going on. It was so well done. Yeah. Uh, Sandra Bullock can sometimes pull off really good performances. I mean, yes. Yeah. (laughs) I like that you said sometimes because that is a very important distinction for sure. Because <laughs> that is definitely I, one I, of the few for me. Have you have you seen Speed 2 yet? <laughs> I have not. I have not because people are like, don't watch it. Don't watch it. And I, I kind of still want to. Um, I mean, we're going to tell you not to watch it, but I mean, eventually you're going to get curious and watch it. want to be curious as to why everyone's like, don't watch it. Don't do it. Yeah, it's, it's something else. It's... I think it's Batman and Robin levels of bad. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's that's saying something. But hey, Batman and Robin's hilarious. So if yeah, I think just, Batman and Robin's hilarious, I, I should there's think... There's some hilarious stuff in Speed too. <laughs> okay, all right. If it's that kind of a level, then I, I probably would enjoy it. Like, that, that piques my interest more if you put it on Batman and Robin level. Because I love that movie for all the wrong reasons. It's so Yeah, good. that's... That Tita disappointed. <laughs> Don't watch Speed <laughs> oh, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bored to tears. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they literally replaced Keanu Reeves with some random guy. <laughs> I, oh, I can't. Even, yeah, <laughs> it's not even. Uh, it's not even a random guy though. Like, like I think obviously, like in comparison, it's a random guy. But I want to say it's, it's some. Yeah, it's called uh, Cruise Control. Yeah, what's the what's the guy's name? Or well, maybe he is random. Um, oh, Jason Patrick. Is that? Yeah. Jason. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. He is random. Never mind. I, I, for some reason, thought it was someone else. <laughs> that is absolutely the... That is the definition of random. That That is correct. Yeah, the, the only other movie I think I've seen him in, it was the um, the Alamo, the one from 2004. Okay. <laughs> That's the only other movie I think I've ever seen him, seen him in. All right, but y- y'all need to... Again, it's got Willem Dafoe in it, though. Yeah, that, that I think that's probably the only good part of the movie. <laughs> and then uh, Tamora Morrison's in it, too. <laughs> oh, man. Y'all didn't tell me that there were stars in this film. Yeah, it's, it's got stars in it. It's just, it's... Oh, I have to watch it now. 
It's it's on my must-watch list now. <laughs> uh, Laura, uh, before she headed out, I know that she, her laundry was finished. She says, The Right Stuff and Hidden Figures were great space movies. I never saw The Right Stuff, but I did see Hidden Figures. I liked Hidden Figures a lot more than I thought I would. I thought that it was going to be very heavily political and identity politics oriented. And actually, it was a very, I think, um, by the numbers biopic. Like, I, I thought that it it dealt with a time in history where the things that they deal with race-wise would make complete sense. I don't think they try and do too much with it. And I actually ended up really enjoying it a lot. Um, the only part I didn't like was that they had, uh, I forget her name, but she's like a so-called, I think she's a so-called comedian. And um, she was just a little too much for me. Like her entire persona was just all ego and you can just tell that it's the type of person that if you met in real life, you'd be like, oh, you're one of those types of people. <laughs> uh, let's see. F name L name says Hubble is a collaboration between NASA and European Space Agency operated by Space Telescope Science Institute. But who owns it? Probably NASA. Yeah, I guess that's the question is who owns Space Telescope Science Institute? Because I guess that's the funding and the collaboration. But yeah, I wonder who actually owns it. Can it be owned by anyone? It's owned by mankind. <laughs> Tina says, didn't Opie make an alien contact movie back in the 80s? Um, the one with the elderly people. I think he did. It was one of the films that came up in his filmography. Um, it was like the next film. I just didn't read the title of it. Let me uh, poke that. Is it Cocoon? Science fiction about group of elderly people who are rejuvenated by aliens. Interesting. <laughs> and then it, it's tagline. It's everything you dreamed of. It's nothing you expect. Well, with a name like Cocoon, I can only imagine how they uh, get, get to the point of being back. Let's see. The Laura says, I would love to see a Star Wars movie written and directed by Ron Howard. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? But hey, Laura, we already have one. It's called Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> don't don't you remember? It was directed and written by Ron Howard. Oh, was it really, or is it just finished by Ron Howard? Well, according it... to the yeah, so basically the movie was eighty five percent finished, and then Kathleen Kennedy and her wisdom decided to fire Lord and Miller, and then Ron Howard came on and rewrote it. Now, how much of it he rewrote, how different it is from the original story, I don't know. But I believe almost everything needed to be reshot. So I think it was different enough to where it needed to be reshot. Because that's why the budget for Solo was so high. Because it needed to be reshot almost completely. Um, But uh, yeah, technically speaking, it's a Ron Howard movie, unfortunately. (laughs) I mean, Ron Howard's done some bad movies. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he did that film in the heart of the sea, which didn't look very good. No, it didn't. <laughs> it looked the CGI for it just looked so bad. Let's see. Physics, what else is Ron Howard done? Physics Channel says Apollo 13 was mostly realistic except for the arguments in the movie. The zero gravity scenes were filmed on the Vomit Comet. Is that what it was called? The Vomit Comet? Yeah, it's a NASA plane they use specifically to train astronauts in weightless oh. weightlessness. Oh nice. Um the the worst part about Apollo thirteen would probably be the portrayal of Jack Swagger. They portray him as a confident, confident kind of pilot that kind of did kind of had to get his wings while he was flying. But yeah. 
in reality, he was a good pilot. He knew what he was doing. They wouldn't have sent him up in space if he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, Lord. Andrew Hoyle, his member, says he's always just... He always just be the brother of the kid who was in Gentle Ben. What? Was that back in the Fast 9 discussion? Is that what the discussion was about? Can't remember. Uh, Zelina Star Wars says, check out the Clutterbug channel. Oh, is that is that like trying to help people that are, are messy? I'm assuming that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Andrew Hoyle says, Dark Matter was great. Got canceled way too early. I've heard good things about it. Uh, Elizabeth Lyons officially a hail to you. Because uh, the last, the first I had seen was in the live chat when uh, when she had come in on the discussion about age. Because that's, that's when we were talking about uh, Cry Macho. <laughs> uh, Alice McCarthy then says, Clint moves better than I do. Wow. Oh man, I need some help, bro. I thought I thought all that stuff got sorted out, Alex. Dang. Let's see, uh, Laura, Laura's having this realization. My daughter is Odin's age. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be 33 in a couple weeks, which oh, is wow. yeah, in, in, it's uh, insane to me. Yeah, I'll hit 36 in January. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> That's that. I'm not that much older than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like, because like for me, it's like, okay, so I'm I'm two years away from being eligible to run for president. Like that's, <laughs> I guess, the next milestone I have. And then every, I think every year after 35, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm almost 40. Oh my gosh, I'm almost 40. And then all of a sudden, it's, oh, I'm 40. Oh, now I'm, I'm still 40. Like when you're every other year after 40, you're just like, and I'm still 40. <laughs> I get that a lot. I talk to people on the phone that think I'm a lot um, older than I really am. And then mm-hmm. when I meet them in person, I think I'm a lot younger than I really am. Yeah. It's it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it was always great at my old school. I would always ask students, like, you know, I made the mistake of asking students, yeah, well, how old do you think I am? And the times that I would get, like, in the 40s, I'd always be like, no. It's like, it's the beard. <laughs> it's the beard, I swear. Uh, let's see. Iron Sky was crowdfunded, Raycor 8 said. Yeah, after looking at it, I can see that being the case. I, I must be thinking of another film, though, that was similar in look, maybe from the poster, and was a theatrical release. It's, oh, um, was it Kate Blanchett that was in it, maybe? Um, uh, it's either Kate Blanchett or, um, oh, what's her name? The one who sold a candle that smelled like her private area. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow? Gwyneth Paltrow. I, I, one of them was in it, the film that I'm thinking of. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Yes, that might be this... the film. Yes, yeah. Andrew Hoyle. Boom, there it is. Yeah, Sky Captain. That was the the one. Like Again, the, the, the look of the poster for Iron Sky for some reason reminded me of the same visual look um, of one of the images I remember seeing from Sky Captain. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I think, I think Scott got this action on Amazon Prime. He went to see I hadn't seen it. Well, someone oh. sent it to me. I think Bruce or someone else sent it to me on a DVD. So I have it. Yeah, it's one of those movies that looks too weird to, to draw my interest. And yeah, <laughs> I've heard people say that it's not bad. 
let's see. Uh, Otto Rocks is watching Solo over on DLive. Thanks for stopping by, Otto Rocks on DLive. Um, all right, let's see. All right, Baby Boy is not awake yet, but he's he's moving. <laughs> he's got his butt in the air. <laughs> So we'll we'll start to we'll get to the last uh, last few comments and questions that we have, and then we'll we'll wrap up uh, for today. It's been fun, fun to have an extra stream like this. Orange Chat says, "I consider Fast Nine dumb fun. It was decent, but cars in space and such, it went out. It went out not just the window, but the atmosphere of sanity." Yeah, that's definitely one, <laughs> it's one way of putting it, Orange Chat, and that's why, as I said, like this is the type of like over, um. Like uh, over the top stuff that I think is fun and entertaining, the stuff that I've seen in back in seven and eight especially, it just wasn't fun. It was just really stupid. Like it was, it was so stupid that I just, it was so bad that Paul Walker's last movie was one that I hated, and it's sad that I feel that way about his last fast. And also another, I guess, quote unquote, spoiler is that. And I, I maybe I didn't pick it up in eight because I thought eight just didn't even mention it. But Brian, the character played by Paul Walker, is still alive in this universe. Huh. And they don't obviously show him at all. But the end of the movie is, oh, we have one empty chair. We still have one empty seat, one empty chair. And at first, because like they had made references prior to Brian, like by name in the film, like watching the kids. And I'm like, that's just so weird to me. Because especially with Seven, when they have that very uh, emotional ending with them going down the road and then splitting paths, right? Going down the different roads and that beautiful song, right? That got overplayed at nauseum. I thought that would be a good way to like just finish off the character in some way or that it was going to get addressed. But yeah, the, the movie ends with a car pulling up to the house and it's supposed to be Brian. And I'm like, I guess that's a nod to Paul Walker, but I don't know. I guess they're just going to keep him alive forever, but he's just always going to be off screen in this weird. It's, it's just, I don't know. It just feels weird knowing that that he's he's no longer with us. Yeah, and- that, that's, I don't think it's, it's kind of sad. I thought his death was faked when I first heard about it. I think he actually yeah. died. And it was just, oh, crap. He actually did die in a crash. <laughs> well, <laughs> shit. Yeah, no, you know, and I think that it's one of those things, too, where you you hear it and you think, oh, this, there's no way this can be true, right? It, it kind of sounds a lot like, you know, like, for instance, the next time I hear anything about Jackie Chan, I am going to question it. And the reason why is because they're almost every year – there is a rumor that Jackie Chan has died every uh, year. I, I knew during that time, there was a lot of fake deaths going around on yeah. the internet too. So when his death came up, I was like, this is fake. There's yeah. no way he died. <laughs> and, but the thing with the Jackie Chan one is that one time, one year it got so big that he actually had to record a video of himself being like, I'm still here. I'm still okay. <laughs> I'm still alive. And it was like, Oh man, when he's actually having to like come out and confirm that, you know, it's gotten you know to be pretty big. But yeah, I had like the same reaction too because I was like, wait, how? You know, and then you find out that it was true, and then you find out that it was all a part of him coming from a charity event, and it's just. And I think that the one positive thing, you know, because you always try and find the positive in in these terrible things that happen, 
was that I think it helped people realize that even though he wasn't the most talented actor, even though he's not someone that people would think of typically as like some, someone's favorite actor, he still did so much good. Mm-hmm. And, and it puts so much focus on the charity work that he did. So you see that a lot with, with certain actors. I yeah. Mean, they're, they're not top notch actors, but they, they put in extra work behind yeah. the scenes and charity work. And absolutely. Uh, as much as I don't like like people like John Cena as a wrestler, he does the the Beck of Wish Foundation Absolutely. stuff quite quite often, a lot more often than you see a lot of wrestlers do. Absolutely, yeah. There, there's no doubt. I, uh, yeah, I will be critical of John Cena until I'm blue in the face as a wrestler, as an actor, whatever. However, there is no denying the good that he has done through Make a Wish, especially. Like, I think he has the record as again, yeah, has the record for the most witches wishes granted, which is no small feat. I would say, mm-hmm. um, Andrew Hoyle says, so they hyperdrived through the space station and saved the rebellion. <laughs> 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 oh man. No, they, see, they're not that ridiculous. Andrew, even, even fast and furious won't be that ridiculous in their lack of logic. You know, there, you know there's some producer listening to this right now, writing notes. Yeah, like, oh, that's what we have to do next. We have to somehow uh, bring this story of The Last Jedi into... Yeah, they go they go to the Disney park and retrofit the, yeah. the, the Falcon that's there to, to, to actually fly in space. And... Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Andrew Hayes in the chat. What's going on? Uh, we are wrapping things up. David Stout, what is going on? Thank you for being here. Uh, there was uh, Tina's freak out about um, <laughs> Speed 2. Uh, Boondock Saints, that's a great... Uh, hey, uh, Boondock Saints is a great uh, Willem Dafoe role, for sure. Hannibal Grimm got, got his ears perked up when he heard the name Willem Dafoe. Uh, Physics Channel, low Earth orbit is getting cluttered, and NASA has to track the pieces. But most things are orbiting in the same direction, like NASCAR and not a demolition derby. Oh, dang, yeah. Well, think about yeah. it. If they were going in different directions or, or like anything like that, you could have like almost all the different altitudes be impacted in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Patrick was in Lost Boys. Ah, I never saw Lost Boys. Been a long time since I've seen it. I, yeah, he is in it. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Tina says the right stuff is on my list of movies you were to watch. It's about Chuck Yeager breaking the sound barrier and the original uh, Mercury space program. It's fantastic. Oh, okay, nice, 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 nice. That was them talking about Cocoon. The Quiet Earth, says Raycor. Have I ever seen? I have never seen The Quiet Earth. Have you seen The Quiet Earth? Uh-uh. Okay. Quiet Earth. Orange Chat says CGI may not be the best in the heart of the sea, but the story is actually very good. I, I For me, I couldn't get past it. It was a little on the boring side. Like, I just couldn't get past it. Barry Morton, welcome. Lord Toth, welcome. Thank you for being here. 33 Odin is a young pup. Yep. That's what people tell me. <laughs> Tina then says, uh, Andrew was talking about Opie's brother as the kid in Gentle Ben. Obi's brother also played the alien in the classic The Carbonite Maneuver episode of original Star Trek. Interesting. Very interesting. Stealth X05. Thank you very much for that super sticker with the pair character lifting up some weight saying keep it up. I always love the descriptions of the, <laughs> of the stickers. And thank you for that. I appreciate it. All right, let's get through these last few comments. Uh, Dragon Brick says, some of those HK actors are immortal. Some of them look the same now as they did 20 years ago. 
I don't know why HK doesn't make sense to me right now. What's HK? <laughs> What's HK reference? HK? I don't... Uh, HK? I'm not sure. Other than Hong Kong, I can't think of another HK. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, that's, uh, that's some... Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dragon Brick says Hong Kong. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's what fair. I thought, but I was like, when were, when were we talking about Hong Kong, though? That's what I was confused about. I was like, um, wait, what? <laughs> Hong Kong Fury, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> Uh no, that was a great cartoon though. Oh, what was the full name? It was Hong Kong. What's his name? Hong Kong Fury? The uh, old, like the dog that did like Hong Kong Fury. Oh, Jackie uh, Chan. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I always forget what part he was from. I didn't know he was from Hong Kong directly. Interesting. Alrighty. Got it. Well, thank y'all very much for that uh for that uh reference and for Getting us caught up there. Hong Kong Fooey. That was it. Yes. Just Good. another red shirt. And Andrew Hoyle. That was it. Hong Kong Fooey. Couldn't make that show anymore. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, I knew it was something similar, though. Uh, but anyway, that is going to be our wrap for this first part of the Chosen of Valhalla live stream. And shout out to Mr. Roy for joining me on this venture. And uh, Mr. Roy, anything else you want to say before we close out? Uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. Appreciate uh, sure you having me on. <laughs> Absolutely, thanks for being on. And uh, I, I throw shade at all the others that that could have <laughs> been on, but decided not to. But no, this was fun, and we'll have another stream next week. Uh, and it'll be in a much more official capacity. Part two will be next week, and we should have almost everybody, I believe, on next week. But this was just because I had said this weekend, and in case anyone was relying on this weekend because of schedules next week, this was you know trying to give someone an opportunity, and also turned into. Uh, a typical hour and a half stream of of fun and baby thor is is just waking up so we we time this perfectly so mr roy thank you very much again for joining me today and shout out to all the chosen of valhalla as well we, we should be able to see a lot of them next week and it should be a lot of fun anyway you guys are all uh, fantastic people and uh let me see if i can pull up my my list of members real quick so that way we can Get this show on the road. I always forget I have to click out of that so that I can then click back into it. Also, by the way, be on the lookout because after uh, Baby Thor's next nap, or during his next nap, rather, I will be recording my box office update. I have not looked yet to the numbers yet, but actually, let me go ahead and pull that up right now, give you a little bit of a sneak peek. So Shang-Chi, only a 37% drop. Domestically, it is at $177.8 million domestically, and it is at $288 million internationally. It looks like the international number has not yet been updated, though, because that's the same number that it was previously. So this film very well could be well north of $300 million by the end of today. So right now it is still on pace to keep up with the predictions and the projections that I was making earlier. So hopefully by the time I do my official video... The official numbers will have updated. Um, and actually, yeah, Box Office Mojo, and here it is. So uh, I, I haven't seen him today, but uh, you know who you are. If you're listening back to this, note this. I had said this film's going to reach the $375 million that it needs to break even. This film, according to Box Office Mojo, is at $320 million after three weeks. There's no way it's not hitting the break-even number. Still not a great showing, by the way. I just want to make that clear. I don't think this is a huge success financially because it's going to make some profit, 
But um, just wanted to throw that out there for that person. You know who you are. $320 million. Anyway. Yeah. And uh, most of these movies, movie studios expect these movies to make good profit, not yeah. just a profit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. This is still not a good result, by the way. Like, this is still, this is just a, hey, I talk about numbers and I say a film's going to break even or lose money or make money. And in this case, uh, it's, yeah. I mean, I'm not in the movie industry, but I was a purchasing clerk. And when we do these jobs out of these job sites, they expect at least a 30% profit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yep. And for some reason, they, again, I don't know how they're making money the last year and a half with all the financial losses that we have been seeing. And also, Tina has some news that I'll talk about as well. Apparently, Dune is expected to make $40 million internationally, which, even though it doesn't sound like a lot, it was predicted to make twenty. So it's doubled. It made double what they expected in the 16 markets it's in. So that's a good early sign. We'll have to wait and see if it'll hold up or not. But... Yeah, go ahead. I think people are just waiting around for a movie that isn't crap. <laughs> yep. And I feel like the, I, I, the word I, of mouth has been pretty good on this so far. Yeah, I, I don't know Dune's going to be this movie that draws people back into movie theaters. I mean, I doubt it, but... Yeah. <laughs> I think that at the pace it's going right now, if it's able to perform as well internationally and okay uh, domestically as like Shang-Chi, like kind of like the reverse almost, as it were, uh, between those, I could totally then see the film having a similar uh, track record or a similar uh, end result, which would put it about on par. It needs to make around $412 million, so it does need to make a little more than what Shang-Chi does because it has a higher budget, technically, but it would still be ballpark, and I think the international might be stronger for Dune based on these early numbers, at the very least. So... It's, it's always... It's it's heartbreaking seeing these movies, these giant budgets just break even. Yes. It... Uh, yeah no because you think about all the people that put in so much work behind these projects and watching their work just almost disappear yeah i mean these are rare movies that i mean disney puts these kind of kind of money in these movies and they're crap i mean every once in a while you get someone to put some money in a movie that's actually good and it still doesn't make money (laughs) oh yeah i mean i think dune is a great example because if you look to what what Denis Villeneuve did with Blade Runner 2049, you can tell he made that movie. That was his baby. That was his project. There was no studio, studio meddling. The fact that they had the film out over two, hour, two and a half hours long, no studio would have that unless the creator was like, this is what's how it's going to be. Dune, same way. It's long. Like, and, and the studio, I imagine, wanted to change that. And he was like, nope, this is how it's got to be. So... Uh, that's what gives me hope that it'll be a good film because at the very least it's going to be his vision and based on all the films he's made so far um, I think that's a good thing if his vision uh, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of um, 2049 I mean, it was a well-crafted movie that yeah it I mean I enjoyed watching the movie theater yeah because that's kind of go ahead I can understand why certain people were alienated from not seeing it it yeah well, it's like I, I Arrival. Remember. I feel that way with Arrival because I am not the biggest fan of Arrival. That's one of my least favorite of his. But I, same thing. I think, objectively speaking, though, it's such a well-made, well-crafted film. But I totally understand why some people hate it because of the story being confusing. Because it is. Yeah, it is confusing. And you're, you're like, yeah, why these aliens are here helping <laughs> us? <laughs> What's with the whole language, sign language? Wait, there's time. Tra- what? What is going on? Like, again... I, I totally get it. Like that, that would make yeah. complete sense. Um, 
But yeah, 2049 is just one where I I just love the world he builds. It's such a it, it's an epic. It's a modern epic in, in a lot of ways, and I just think it's it's fantastic because of that. Uh, I think it, yeah, it's something that Dukak said one time that he. He's never seen it. The reason why is he's afraid it's going to tarnish his view yeah. of the previous film. Yeah, and that's why he's never going to actually watch it. Yeah, I think that's probably what turns some fans off of the movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll shout out my Army of Asgard members and above: Soul Extraction, Malvin, Dolores, Ed, Twirly Wolf, Low Pro, Farrah Lovely, Valiant Renegade, Jonathan Marshall, Eric K, Cornelius Schultz, Fetigator, Gonzalo Bergali, George Molo, George Grimm's Math, Wicked Plumber, Gomer Kyle seventy nine, Kara Tharp, Dadman Walking fifty five, M Tax Shark, Forever Sci Fi, Rosie G twelve, Andrew Hoyle. Orange at Reviews, Jay Stowe, and Aiden Vickery. Thank you very much for being my members on YouTube. And again, shout out to all of the Chosen of Valhalla uh, for those that couldn't make it today, but a huge shout out to the one that could. Mr. Roy, thank you again for joining me today. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. For everyone else, we will have another Chosen stream next week with uh, hopefully everyone being able to join us. Uh, We'll see how that goes. But anyway, you guys are all amazing, beautiful people. Thank you for stopping by today. It's been a lot of fun. And, uh, Be on the lookout for a box office breakdown video today and hopefully some movie reviews later this week. You're all amazing, beautiful people. Also, Fauci Hales is in the chat saying that he's going to send me a hazmat suit, um, which (laughs) sounds interesting. It's like a a level 79 hazmat suit or something. But anyway, uh, Fauci uh, Hales, thank you for being here. (laughs) You guys are all amazing, beautiful people. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge shout out to all of my September Locals, Patreon, and Subscribestar members. First with my Locals members, Cat's App, D-Sharp, It's a Modern Major General Story, Laura Bifford Havitt, and Robert Barnes. I want to give a shout out to, especially to Laura, who is now a double supporter on Locals and on Patreon. So thank you for that. And to all of my Locals members. A shout out also to my Patreon members, Andrew Hoyle, Animation Commentator, Brandon, Brian P., Christopher Bowman, Don Bruno de la Mancha, Father Christopher Miller, Hail to you, Father, Father Damian Cook, Garrett Searles, Hannibal Grimm, Harold Francis, Inflamed Wood, Jacob Juice, Jeffrey Toon, Joe Horn, Jonathan Garney, Gomer Kyle 79, Laura the Modern Major General's Story once again, Mike Jackson, Mad Mitch Dunaway, Mondo Spieler, Mr. Peabody, On to June, Orange Hat Reviews, Out of Step with Reality, Priscilla Hall, Rosetta Ullen, Teresa Martin, Theodore Benden, Tina Bojan, and Tina B, the Empress of the Universe. And a shout out also to my subscribe star members, The R, Fast Reaction, Nosferatu Gatsu, John B, Perpetual Punster, Mr. Roy, Glinzer, J. Alex McCarthy Jr., Dean Heiss, slash the new number two, J. Rod the Beer Guru, and ZK Man. Thank you all very much for supporting the channel. And I want to give a huge shout out to new members, one-time supporters over on Locals, Kara Tharp, K Tharp 56, and Brett D90. Thank you again for being a one-time supporter over on Locals, and also to my newest Patreon member, Stan Gunovic. And hopefully I pronounced that correctly, but thank you for being my newest members. 
It really does mean a lot. And if you want to have your name shouted out at the end of every single video or live stream on the main channel, please check out the links in the description below, specifically that top link, which will bring you to all of the links to my various social media pages and also places of support as well. And remember that if you join at the Army of Asgard level, you also get access to giveaways of 4K titles. Right now, I have a live giveaway of Snatch on 4K Steelbook. I've also got ones for Dread, uh, Wrath of Man Blu-ray. I've also got A Quiet Place Part 2 on 4K. I've got Top Gun on 4K, Sicario on 4K, tons of films and more to come, especially as more films are getting released for those giveaways. At the uh, Keeper of the Bifrost level, you get all that, plus you get access to an exclusive podcast, podcast that I do with John the Flick Pick Flickinger. Not only do you get to listen to the podcast, you also get to ask questions that we answer as much as we can and as fully as we can in much more, I guess you could say, uncensored way, but again, a much more free-flowing way for our members over there at the Keeper of the Bifrost level above. And if you join the Chosen of Valhalla level, you get access to all of those things. Plus, in your first month, you get a free t-shirt, your choice, and I send it to you no matter where you are in the world. And also, you get to once a month be featured on the channel in the Chosen of Valhalla live stream where we talk about movie, news, and pretty much anything that you want to talk about. So if that all sounds like fun to you, check out those links below. You're all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.